he literally went over the wall. Yeah, he went over the fence. Did he? He was, he was at a prison and farm and just walked out. Drugs, guns, whatever it might be. Yes. I have to say the Hodson family, from the outside, sounds pretty well like most families. I'm Andrew Rule. This is Life and Crimes. Today in the studio, we have some remarkable guests, Mandy and Andrew Hodson, and our own colleague, Anthony Dowsley, who's uh, worked very closely with members of the Hodson family over many years. Anthony, before we start, can you outline who the Hodsons were and how they fitted into the Melbourne gangland scene? Terry Hodson was a prolific drug dealer who was also a police informer, highly valued by the drug squad. His wife was also a police informer. Their deaths were part of an escalating gangland war in 2004, but their deaths would lead police to believe corrupt police were involved. Listeners will recall that we have spoken about the Hodsons uh, in the past, most recently in the episode titled The Last Temptations of Carl. And most of our listeners will recall that Andrew and Mandy are the adult children of the late Terry and Christine Hodson. And it is about the events that led to their tragic deaths that we're here to talk about. But before we get to the pointy end of the discussion, we'd like to talk to Andrew and Mandy about their background, about who they are, about where they come from, and about their mum and dad. And I know a lot of people will know some of this already, but they won't know all of it. Welcome, Andrew and Mandy. We really appreciate you making this effort. And I'd like to ask either of you, whichever whichever of you would like to answer it, your earliest memories of your parents and where that was. Was it in England or was it in Western Australia or, or where? Oh, vaguely England. But um, more vaguely? So, yeah, vaguely England. I do remember my parents there and um, my, even my grandparents. Yeah, um, where were where was that? That Andrew? was uh, that was in Wolverhampton. Okay, now describe to our listeners the sort of place I have been there once. It seemed to me to be a pretty tough town. What was it like? Oh, well, I was a kid, so yeah, realistically, you didn't care. yeah, <laughs> I didn't care. You know what kids are like? They'll uh, ride their bikes in the middle of the road, even, even though the cars are coming. So you know, yeah. But uh, I remember more of them when we moved to Western Australia. Okay. And what were your grandparents, they were living in Wolverhampton, what did that, tell us a bit about them? Oh, my grandmother was a a lovely lady, but a very hard lady. Um, yeah. She used to sell flowers in the, in the town square. Uh, yeah. She's done that for years and years and years. And my grandfather was a, uh, a bookmaker, he owned three TABs. Oh, did he? Yes, yeah, back in the days when your betting shops were a lot different. Like, before it all oh, become conglomerated into TABs that were independently owned. So my grandfather owned three of those. And he was a Hodson? Yes, he was a Hodson. Okay. So your dad grew up sort of knowing, understanding the odds and money and, you know, how to make a quid and working the angles. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. But uh, he yeah. chose to hear. My grandfather offered him the business, but uh, he declined and decided to become a carpenter. Oh, he did. And uh, he, he did his time over there as an apprentice? Yes. Was good at it? Yes, very good. Could have 
done anything, I guess, uh, any of those sort of things where he had to build things if he wanted to? Yeah, 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 anything with his hands. What about your mum? How did they meet? Um, oh, God, you can answer this one, Mandy. Okay, well, apparently mum actually worked at the bedding shop um, that was yeah. owned by his dad. Um, that's where she started. But yeah. it was um, apparently in Womburn, where they're actually um, from, my mum was with her sister and she yeah. pointed to my dad um, without him knowing and she said to her sister, that's the man I'm going to marry. But he didn't know right. that. <laughs> and, yeah, she did. So she ended up marrying him. And uh, one of the funny stories was um, one day my dad picked her up and stopped and said, hey, do you want a lift? And she said, yeah, I do. But he literally only had to drive probably 50 metres. And yeah. um, at the time she <laughs> pretended that she couldn't open the door just so my dad would have to lean across and open it. Oh, so she wasn't she, she wasn't as um, innocent as she looked. But, yeah, they I had see. some funny stories. And they yeah. were... They were young and beautiful, both of them. Yes, they, they were. were. Sort of, they were a handsome pair, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, even in middle age, they look. Um, they look, yeah. I think one of our colleagues, uh, Liam Houlihan, described your dad as looking as if he might have been a you know a, a guy in a rock band. He, he he did have that look. He did actually. He was actually in a band. It was called um, the Dingoes. Was it the Dingoes? Yeah, it was. The or was ding- it no? Wasn't it Dracula in the house? But the. No. The song he sang was The House of the Rising Sun. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah, well, only once, so apparently. Once. Only once. But yeah. he, he did have the look. He looked he like a have... guy from The Angels or something. And your mum was enormously attractive and obviously vivacious and pretty smart. She was smart, but she hadn't heard any swear words until she met my dad. So, oh, I see. Yes, yeah. She so was good, actually, good girl, she bad was boy thing. in one sense. She was attracted to the scallywag. Yeah. Yes. Was he a bit of a scallywag as a young fellow? Um, either of you answer that? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yep, definitely. Yeah. Yep. O- always had a bit of dash. Yes. Well, he fancied himself. Um, he did, did yeah, he? he did. And he, did he get up to a bit of strife in, in Wombourne or in um, Wolverhampton? Yeah, he used to. Um, he had a best mate called Mickey Cadwallinger, and they used to go to the um, dances that you used to go yeah. to. And they used to um, pinch pinch the money out of um, the girls' purses because apparently back then they'd leave all their bags on the side. So him and his mate would um, go and do that and, oh, yeah. (laughs) And then he'd get on the punt, I suppose. He didn't mind a bet. I'm I'm guessing he didn't mind a bet. No, he never bet. He never bet? No, he knew too much from the other side. He'd seen it. He'd seen it from the bookie side. Yeah. So what was his, when he got his... Ill-gotten gains, what did he spend it on? Jeez, I couldn't really tell you. As my sister said, they'd pinch money out of girls' purses, um, I suppose. Did he like cars and motorbikes? Oh, yeah, he didn't mind cars. Didn't mind raising his fists either because he spent uh, three months in Borstal. Oh, did he? Yeah, for uh, GBH. Oh, I see, so that got him into... Yeah, that was over mum. Yep. And he'd learned to fight a bit better in there. Yes. I see. Well, he came out a little bit harder than he went in. So what brought them to Australia? I think, I think my mum's younger sister, she moved out in the February of 74 with her husband yep. Yep. and uh, her daughter. 
Um, and then we moved over in the November, November the 24th, 1974, right. we flew over and stayed with them at the start. In Perth, yes. Western Australia. Yeah. Yep. A lot of English people do settle in Perth and always yes. did. So you had relatives there. Yep. So your memories of Perth would be quite full of sunshine, would they? Good good place? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Good to grow up. Like to, uh, If you want to bring up a young family back then, it was brilliant. And did your dad work in uh, building sites or what did he do? In no, he, um, he started out as a, a maintenance carpenter or maintenance yep. man for um, uh, an insurance company called Perpetual Purple or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they put him on, um, when you get vacant apartments, back in those days, you used to send in, like, you, you move your into somewhere else. So they'd send yep. in a, a guy to paint the place and fix up whatever was sort of wrong in the place and he just, okay. he kicked it from and there. He, he was a handy man who could do any of those jobs. Yes, yep. Turn his hand to anything, fix it up. It'll be right. Yeah. Just tell, just tell Terry, and he'll do it. Yeah. Meanwhile, was he getting up to a bit of skullduggery? No. 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 Pretty straight shooter. Yep. Straight shooter yep. for till the eighties. Yeah, until the eighties. What changed that? Um, a business partner of his. I see. Yep. Uh, what happened? Oh, his business partner bought into his uh, car yard. And yep. he was supposed to be a silent partner. But right. um, he then started spruiking and saying he wanted this done and that done and um, didn't want to pay the balance of his money. So the old man thought, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to take it off you. Right. Pretty much. I see. So that led to a... A B&E. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Yep. yep. Uh, he sort of had a little bit of a throwback to his misspent youth. Yes. And by this stage, he's in his... 30s, I guess, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and he's lived a fairly blameless life yes. until that point. Yep, yep. A dud partner, etc. Right. What about now? What was your mother's view of those sort of things? Was she happy to see life go along as you know an honest living? Yeah. Well, she worked. Was she her? was. She was his uh, business partner. So, she, Dad did all the the pricing of like because he had a lot of building work. Um, yeah. and uh, mum did all the books. Yeah. Right? So you're talking for some pretty major insurance companies, uh, West Farmers, to name the the biggest one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. West Farmers, uh, CUA. Yeah, all those big ones. Yeah, all, all the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Were around, yeah. So dad would go and price all the works, and he had up to 50 blokes working at him for one time. Did but, he? Yeah, he had... To, and he was good at that? He and your mother were a pretty good team at... Oh, um, yeah, yeah. A crew of 50. Yeah. He was actually on books. At the age of 30, he was a millionaire. Really? Yep. Legitimate millionaire. Now, the break and enter that you mentioned earlier, how did that bounce back in his face, or did it? Well, what yeah, happened? Yeah. Well, obviously it bounced back because he, uh, he got charged for it and um, ended up getting nine months jail for it. So really it was, um, it was self-harm in a way. He well, yeah. Might have been better, yeah. Yeah, but Understandable, but 
yeah, not not all that smart in in one way. No, but he, once he bought into the car yard, then obviously the shady figures come in because uh, we okay. all know, we all know that uh, car dealers aren't the most legitimate of uh, people. I believe some of them are a bit smelly. Andy. Yes, yes, I well, have heard that. Yes, well, I know none that, that for we a fact, want, so. none that we're mentioning here. No, 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 but perhaps in Perth. Oh, in Western um, Australia, there was a few. Oh, lots of them. Yeah. And so, bad company, I guess, uh, breeds its own problems. That's right. Uh, what 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 happened next? Well, he was in jail, and he was uh, he was being looked at by the um, National Crime Authority, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and he decided he didn't want to stick around to answer those questions, so he decided to right. um, take leave of absence from his um, prison sentence, and All right. yeah, and uh, escaped. I see. Yeah. Oh, while on day release? Or? No, no. About mid- midnight one night. <laughs> oh, he, he literally went over the wall. Yeah, he went over the fence. Did he? He was, he was at a prison and farm and just walked out. What happened then? Well, he flew over to Sydney, I think it was, at the start, and then um, moved down to Melbourne where he uh, used some associates and because yep. um, he was supposed to get passports and then fly over to England. But uh, oh. that didn't eventuate. So, is it correct uh, that uh, he had a day to go or something like yeah. that on his yeah. prison sentence? Yeah, it was yeah, some ridiculous. And then he received a threat. Yeah. yeah, apparently. So he decided that was it. Yeah. He was out. Yeah. A troubled young woman, her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? Uh, I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I suppose a threat will do it. Mm. Um, and you, your mum and you children... Three children went back to England for a while. No, mum, mum didn't. Mum, mum didn't. didn't. Just me and my oh. two sisters. Yep. To get you out of harm's way? Um, well, he was planning on going there. That's oh, where we were all right. going okay. back to. But that went pretty okay. shaped. He'd need, he needed passports for passport, him and mum. Which is pretty tricky. Mm. I presume your mother could get one if she wanted one. but Yeah, but then he couldn't. He followed yeah. the family name. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, yeah, I see. You know? Yeah, and she, I presume, you know, your mother didn't want to be split up from him. No, it's a, it's sort of one of the great love stories. It is, if thing. you looked at yeah. it. Yeah. When you look at it. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing: a lot of, you know, in our business, and you, you know this, a lot of people we talk to that have hit a hurdle in life, they've come from extremely um, distressing backgrounds with broken homes. Yeah. But. I have to say the Hodson family from the outside sounds pretty well like most families, fairly happy most of the time, loved each other. Yep. You know, a lot to recommend it. Yep. And probably probably better than a lot of families. Well, yeah. And, and as good as many others, which I think a lot of people find interesting because they're sort of, you know, folks like us. Yeah. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, me and my sister's... Uh, went to uh, private schools, yeah, in Western Australia, and uh, yeah. you know, the, my school was a brother school to Geelong Grammar, right? So um, you know, you're talking 
not just your, your run-of-the-mill private school. Was, no. No, it was costing the old man a fair bit of money each year to send us to private school. Right. Yeah. Well, there you are. He was keen on doing the best for you that he could. It's yeah, a lot of, a lot he of was, money. You oh, wouldn't say he was illiterate, but in no. the same sense you would. Like he, yeah. he spelt phonetically how yes. it sounded to yeah. him. Well, that, yeah. can, that can happen. I yeah, know oh, journalists a bit like that. But are you pointing the finger at Anthony? Oh, no, you suggesting no, yourself, no. Andrew? No. <laughs> Fair enough if you were. No, I don't mean you. Um, so, but quite a lot of fairly clever people aren't good on the spelling. It doesn't mean much. So, Dad's in interstate. He's in the eastern states, as they call it in Perth. Yep. Mum says, well, I can't go... Well, she's staying put, and you kids do end up in England for a while with the with the grandparents. Uh, my grandmother, but grandmother, yeah, okay. grandmother on my dad's side. But back in back in England, Womborn or yeah, Wombourn, Wombourn, yeah. sorry, Wombourn. And uh, how long were you over there before you returned? Uh, Mandy and Nikki were there for about a month, I think, and oh. I was there for about six months, and. When you came back, where did you come to? To Melbourne. Uh, Mandy and Nikki went to Sydney, and um, I flew straight back into Melbourne, Tullamarine. By this time, it is the 80s? Yes, 86. And how old are you at this stage? Um, 17. Okay, so you're a you know big boy ready to leave school or whatever, which you'd, I suppose you'd left when you went to England? Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, your sisters are younger? Uh, no, Mandy's older and Nikki's younger. She just sounds young. Yeah. Um, and so... I look younger. Y- y- you all... Yeah, well, that's right. You, you've all got together in... Ivanhoe. In Melbourne. Yep. In Ivanhoe. Yep. Okay. Was How was life there? Now, was your dad using his own name or how did it work? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think he, he called himself Terry Hooper. Oh, I see. Okay. Yep. And did he work... In the carpentry business to get a quid? No, he was, yeah, he was in the carpentry business, but he was working um, for some undesirables, if you'd like to say. Oh, I see. Yeah. And that would be doing, uh, like using his skills to do undesirable yeah, yeah. tricks. Uh, like renovating really... houses. Okay, I see. Yep. He'd be strictly cash. Yes. Um, cash or kind. And he'd be able to build little stashes or stooks or whatever for oh, well, people no, to hide things. When I got back here, um, we worked on a really large um, renovation, which my dad had been working on for probably four months. And then yeah. when I got back, I worked on it for another six months with him. Yeah. Yeah. For a colourful identity? Yes. As the person, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would that be someone known to us all by name? His nickname was Eddie Capone. Oh, that's, yes. that's a good nickname. Yes. And uh, he had a lot of cash to spend on renovations. Yes. And by this stage, Andrew, you've become a pretty good tradesman uh, yep. under your father's eye. Yep. Yep. And you work together. Yes. Still at this point, life could have gone on okay, mm-hmm. even if you're working for undesirables. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Did your dad sort of couldn't resist the idea of the quick quit or the the next step up or whatever? What, how did, what happened well, next? You use your imagination on that one. Mandy? <laughs> Where there was money to be made, if he could make it, he would make it. Right. Yep. So 
buying and selling other people's property or uh, drugs, guns, whatever it might be? Yes. Okay. So he became a bit of a, a black marketeer. Yes, that's buying, a good way yeah. of putting it. Okay. And this would have an effect on you, I presume, Andrew, that you'd sort of, by example, you'd get you familiar with um, that world. Yes. Okay. Was there a point at which he passed a point of no return? Was there a particular thing that happened that hooked him deeper or darker or hooked him up with people that he couldn't get away from? Is there a, no, no, no. It was, it was never the, the criminal arm of the world that turned him. It was, the, it was actually the legitimate world. Builders, oh, I see. Builders not paying and, you know, oh. things like that. So, And yeah. I, I had a little bit of a temper when I was younger, so... I'd yep. um, be sort of what you would call direct and tell them, if you don't pay me my fucking money, yep. then I'll yep. come into with a chainsaw and yep. cut your work down. Yeah, you're fair. Well, I can understand that when people don't pay. It's, yep. quite, it's very hard on tradesmen to be robbed by contractors and so on, isn't it? Yes, By, it you know, big builders robbing tradies. Yeah. It's a tough game. And it must lead to a lot of frustrations and a lot of... Um, a lot of trouble. Yeah. And and that's what happened in this case. Yeah. The old man just put his hands up and said, stuff this, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not busting me arse for and not getting paid. So he um, yep. he decided to expand his um, criminal enterprises. Yeah. So at this point, you're starting to learn maybe from the family businesses becomes involved in trafficking um, illicit drugs yeah. at the point. Yep. And um, a, a, a major point in your lives come, I guess you were trading through the 1990s. Can you take yep. us through that, how yep. long that took? Probably the start of 88. Um, we started to dabble, um, just moving marijuana and stuff like that. I don't know what the old man was, what else the old man was up to, but um, yeah, I was sort of introduced to selling dope. And Mandy, you, at some point you as well begin to sell ecstasy in nightclubs and things like that? Yeah, I I started that first because um, Dad was in jail and um, then when he got out, he decided that um, my sister and I was pissing all our money up the wall apparently. So then he took over. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that, that would have been the case, I'm sure. Yeah, something like that. And then in 2001, um, there's an operation called Operation Yacht. Yep. And you're both arrested in 2001. Yep. And charged uh, with trafficking. Yep. And this is a major point in all your family's lives because, Andrew, you, you're remanded yep. in custody. Yep. And, um, Mandy, you're released on bail. Your dad post bail for you? No, I, I paid my bail. You Every, paid your bail? Yeah, everyone, okay. everyone thinks my dad did, but he he organised for me to get bail, obviously, on the outside. Yeah. But no, I had to pay for it. I think it cost me $7,000, something like that. But this yeah. becomes a very important moment in the history of this story because this is how your father and your mother eventually um, become police informers. Yes. Yep. And um, a detective by the name of David Meeshall was the arresting officer. Yep. 
and uh, your father becomes an informer uh, initially to David Meeshel and later to his new boss, Paul Dale. So let's introduce another big player in this drama. That is Nicola Gobbo, alias Lawyer X, alias Informer 3838. Anthony Dowsley, you're the expert on Nicola Gobbo. Tell us where she fits into this story. She first comes into contact with Andrew Hodson over Operation Yacht. Andrew gets in contact with Nicola Gobbo because she could be a lawyer that gets in bail. She goes on much later, to represent Andrew's father, Terence Hodson. Did Nicola Gobbo represent you during that time, Andrew? Yeah, she did. She got me bail eventually. What was she like? She was all right. She was good at what she did. Yep. Yeah, really good at what she did. So, and how, did she, how did she come to be your um, lawyer? Um, through Tony Mockbell. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you knew him at the time? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what was he like? He was a nice bloke. Yep. Yep. You got along? Yeah, he got along real well. Okay. Yep. Um, do you think that uh, Tony might have recommended she um, become your lawyer so that he'd guarantee himself that you wouldn't say anything about him? Yep. Is that what was probably going oh, on? Oh, no, not really. We, just, we were in the same unit together at Port Phillip. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, on a, like on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, we'd walk around the tennis, tennis court, just a bunch of blokes and... Because I was tied in with Tony's um, case, he'd ask me how it was going, and I'd say, mate, it's going nowhere. I said, I've tried to get bail three times, I think it was. And he goes, you're using the wrong solicitors or wrong barrister. He goes, I'll, um, goes, I'll talk to uh, Nicola yeah. and ask her if she's interested in looking at your case. So this is 2001, and he's recommending yep. Nicola Gobbo at that point? Yep. Okay. So I said, yep, whatever, Tony. Just... Uh, if she is, she is. If she's not, it's just another day in jail for me. Okay. You've got to remember, I just got out of a, a four-year um, jail term for armed robbery. Yes. So, um, you know, just another day in jail. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Things move on from there. Um, you um, do quite some time before you're allowed to come out, but, Mandy, you, you're, you're on the outside um, on bail. Uh, during this period when your dad starts to inform. Were you aware that he was informing at that point? Not at that point, no. Okay. No, no he kept that a secret for a long time. When was the first time you met um, David Meeshel? Um, It was Christmas of 2003, I think. Or 2002, maybe? Two, yeah, because yeah, I get confused going into one year to the next one. Yep. Yeah, 2002. It's at the Park Hyatt. Yep. Yep. And... Um, because prior to that, I kept getting told I had a guardian angel. That right. Was, yeah. They kept going, oh, no, you've got a guardian angel. Oh, yeah, whatever. I never understood it until I was um, introduced to him at the, um, yeah, the, he came to the Park Hyatt with um, another police officer. His nickname was Radar. Yeah. And this was around about Christmas time, and as you said. Yeah. And uh, you gave him a present. You gave Dave Meeshel a present that you bought and... Burke Street Mall that day? Yeah, watch. Yeah. Yeah, from Maya. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, he's again um, at a party that you're at a New Year's Eve party, I think it was. Um, and um, you're pretty rude to him at that party. Oh, yeah. That was at our house, I think, or my house. Yep. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I spat on him. 
And eventually, though, this turns around and um, uh, he makes some sort of romantic gestures or is interested in you in some way. Well, apparently he was when he interviewed me, when he did my record of interview. Right. When he was... Because I'm known as the um, the nice criminal because I'm never rude or... Yep. Yeah, well, it's no need to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I've got quite a sense of humour, so I, it is what it is. So I'm just, yeah, <laughs> raised with manners. Um, so you, you, knew, you both knew David Meachel to an extent. Obviously, Mandy, you would eventually become um, involved in a romantic relationship with him. Yep. Um, while your dad's informing to him. Yep. At the same time, but you didn't know him at all. Only Andrew. from only from other him than arresting other me. than arresting you. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, so during this period, um, David Michel and and your dad sort of have a, like a son-in-law, or, you know, father kind of son relationship in some way. They get very close at the very least. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. From what I saw, um, yeah, Dave did like my mum and dad, and they actually liked him. Yep. Yeah, because we went out on din- a few dinners and things. Yep. Yeah. And Andrew, you had no idea any of this was going on, did you? No. Yeah. We'll leave it there for now. Next week, we're going to look at the Oakley burglary, which brings a lot of the players in this drama together. Now, I'd like to thank Andrew and Mandy Hodson for coming in today to speak to us. It is the first time that Andrew's spoken at length to anyone about these matters. I'd also like to thank Anthony Dowsley, our in-house expert, who's brought so much to this story. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening. Please comment or rate it on whatever platform you're using. And if you haven't done it already, please subscribe. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.